But I want to get to today's gospel, which is the famous gospel of Jesus' encounter, the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4. You notice that it says that the woman was there and met Jesus at the well at about noon. Most people probably understand that this is strange. Why did the woman go there at noon? Because the customary time to go to receive and get your water was early in the morning or later in the evening when it was cooler, not at the heat, the height of the heat of the day. Why was she doing this? Was she practicing social distancing? Trying to stay away from people? No. The reason is clear. This woman was living a immoral lifestyle. One seems to have been pretty publicly known. And so, out of the shame that she felt and the fear of judgment or being looked down upon or talked about, she went at this time so she did not have to encounter other people. And so what I want to do is posit a little sort of exercise in trying to imagine what might have been going on in this woman's mind and in her heart by doing a little exercise that we can do ourselves that I'm sure most of us have had experience of. We all have consciences, of course, unless you are a sociopath and you don't have one, but we also have what Freud called the superego. This is that part that is similar to the conscience that tells us what is right and what is wrong and often becomes the self-critic. But what can happen, and happens quite often today, is that self-critic gets out of control, becomes a predominant voice, not there to encourage or set someone straight or keep us in check, but instead to accuse. A very, very loud voice, a very, very harsh voice that pulls us down saying that we're no good, that we're not perfect, that we're never going to be loved, that we're not enough. All of these things are barked into our minds, into our hearts by this inner critic. We're all aware of it. We all have it. And for some people, this voice is so loud and nags us all during our waking hours, dragging us down instead of encouraging us and building us up. So what I want you to imagine is if you took that inner voice, that you had that inner critic, and took it outside of yourself and embodied it in another person. Like this other person there was telling you the same exact thing that this inner critic was telling you. That you're not perfect, that you're not good enough, accusing you. What would you think of that person? You think that person was a jerk. You probably think the person was a lot worse than a jerk, but I can't use that word in a homily. You wouldn't want to listen to that person telling you all of these things quite clearly. Now imagine that one of your friends was witnessing your relationship with this embodied inner critic, this embodied accuser telling you these things. If it was a good friend, they'd come up and say, you should kick that person to the curb. This is a toxic relationship. You're codependent on this individual. Why are you listening to this accuser? This is exactly, if we can practice this little exercise, gives us an idea of how we should treat or understand this inner critic that we all have. But instead of kicking it to the curb, what we do is instead is lock ourselves up 
in a tower, the tower of our brain, and sit and ruminate all day long listening to this voice drag us down. It's like Rapunzel and Tangle tied up there with her stupid witch woman that kidnapped her, putting her down, telling her she's not enough, criticizing her. This is what we do, particularly when it comes to the Sixth Commandment. And this is what the woman was experiencing. Because of her sexual sins, this inner critic was driving her to stay away from people, making her feel that she was terrible and irredeemable and unable to receive the Lord's forgiveness. So the same thing today, it tends to be sins against the Sixth Commandment that cause this shame that makes us hide and makes the voice of the inner critic be so loud particularly sins of looking at things on our phone and the internet that we ought not be looking to, and the other sins with ourselves that usually follow this. It brings about a lot of shame and the loud voice of the inner critic, particularly amongst young women. I'm going to say it right now. Particularly amongst young women. This is a very serious issue, that inner critic saying, how can you do this? If people found out about it, they would cast you aside. In fact, you're the only person doing this. No one is as sick or perverted as you are. If you, anyone ever found out about this, you'd be judged and put down and dumped as someone who was unworthy. So many people who are caught up in these sins and listen to that inner critic, not their conscience guiding them in this proper way, but the accuser, they live with it for years, sometimes even decades, for sins that they are committing or committed a long time ago, never bringing it to the light. Instead, keeping it in the dark and living in such shame simply because this jerk inner critic continues to accuse and drag it down. So what do we see the example of the woman in today's gospel as she encounters Jesus. Because this is interesting. The woman goes there with that accuser, that inner critic, putting her down. But Jesus becomes the embodiment of something different. The embodiment of conscience in a certain sense, the embodiment of the merciful love of God the Father. He acknowledges that she's a sinner that she is performing actions and has been that she ought not be doing. But he doesn't say, you're terrible. How dare you do this? How can you live with yourself? Instead, he does not accuse and judge, but he sees her for who she truly is and calls out deeper repentance and shows her in his looking upon her the merciful gaze of the Father wanting to be in relationship with her, communicating with her, not casting her off. And what he does in doing so is he shuts the voice of the accuser up, punches the inner critic in the mouth, and dispels the lies that he tells. And so the woman is able to have all of this stuff be brought to light and mercy in the presence of Jesus. And as a result of this, of casting off the shame, casting off the inner critic, she's able to live in freedom. 
And so instead of hiding, she runs back to town and says, guess who I encountered? He changed my life. He knew everything about me. He is the Savior, and he is the Messiah. She becomes a whole new person, not defined by what she had done or what she was doing, but by her relationship with Jesus, who is her Savior. The shame is gone, and she can speak not in doubt and insecurity, but in her own voice. And this is what Jesus wants to do for all of us, particularly those who are crippled by shame of those sins that I mentioned, whether it be women who this is a real issue for, but I also believe it's an issue for men. I talked about a few weeks back how men need to kind of get out there and get more engaged. A big root of the problem is the shame that men, particularly young men who are addicted to this stuff, causes in their lives. It cripples their masculinity, their ability to love and have confidence in themselves and know who they are. So whether it be the man encountering Christ at the well or it be the woman, Jesus is there to dispel it. Whether we encounter the merciful love of Christ who shows us love of the Father in confession, very, very powerful way to do that, in our own prayer, but in front of other people. It could be a family member, a friend. It could be the priest, the spiritual director, your counselor to take this garbage and bring it to light and to realize that the Lord's not there to accuse. The priest is not there to accuse, but instead to show mercy. Quit allowing this garbage, particularly the stuff that I've talked about today or alluded to, to dictate terms in your life. It's a slavery. A slavery not only to sin, but to the lies that the accuser and the inner critic brings upon you. Because I've seen, particularly in the course of the past several weeks, people who have this stuff brought to life and encounter the mercy of Christ make a 180 degree turn. All of a sudden they gain this confidence because they're no longer listening to that critic. They see themselves in the light of Jesus and they know who they are. It's just like this woman. She knows herself as a daughter, loved by the Father. We have that same opportunity to gain freedom and peace in our identity. The truth is, we got a lot of time to work this out over the course of the coming weeks. We can sit during this coronavirus hiatus and lock ourselves up and let that inner critic rip us to shreds. Or instead, we can use this time of grace to acknowledge that voice is there, to put a boundary and say, shut it, not listening to you. But instead, bring the sin, bring the shame, whether it's things that we've done or that were done to us. Because those can cause a great amount of shame and make us want to hide because if people found out about our past or what happened to us, they wouldn't love us and think we're unlovable. We bring it and we encounter the loving mercy of Christ and then everything is dispelled. There may be a few clouds that still hang around, but instead we can come to find the love of the Lord and the freedom of the sons and daughters of God. Amen.